gonna bring it a little closer. I'm quite short, so just so you guys can see back there. This is quite tall, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, is that why that's why you stand on shit? No, I wanna, I wanna stand a bit closer, it's fine. Okay, thanks for that introduction there. <laughs> okay, so if you know me, um, I'm normally a bit of a joker, and I'm only serious two times in my life. <laughs> Jack doesn't think I'm funny. Uh, <laughs> two times in my life, so one, when I'm playing football, so there's some guys here can uh, attest to that. And also, secondly, when I'm speaking the word of God. So you're going to see a serious side of me today, which I hope you'll enjoy. Whew. So um, if you wouldn't mind get, giving up the first slide for me, guys, that's cool. So I'm talking about being homesick for heaven, bringing heaven down to earth. So I was preparing for this preach and how I normally prepare is I look at like commentaries, I look at the, the Bible, I listen to a few preaches, I listen to some worship music, I sit and wait for God to speak to me. If I'm honest, this week and the, follow, the previous weeks, nothing. As in, as in like I've been doing it but I've received nothing. No matter how hard I tried, I'd be like, oh this is really cool but is it what God wants to say to his people on Sunday? Yeah, this is interesting but is it what God wants to say? So I'm sitting there striving and trying, and then it gets to Friday, and I'm thinking, I'm preaching on Sunday. This is not good. Like, I'm preaching on Sunday. And it comes to Friday night, and I'm, you know, Maria can tell you, I was, I was a bit stressed out, and I just thought, and I just felt God say to me, you need the passion back. And passion, if you know the word passion, it comes from the Latin. It means to suffer. So the passion of the Christ is the suffering of the Christ. And God just told me, you have to suffer for this. You're going to have to um, actually dig deep. It's not just a, you know, looking at a few commentaries, Googling a few things. It's not that. You're going to have to suffer for this if you want to preach my word. Um, so on Friday night, I just sat in the office, um, left Maria to own devices to Netflix. And uh, I, just, I just said, God, just, <laughs> God, just speak to me. What do you want to tell your people on Sunday? What, what do you want me to bring? And God said to me this. So we're talking about being homesick for heaven. He says, there are people in your church, in our church, that don't believe they belong in heaven. He said to me, you this week do not believe that you belong in heaven. How can you be homesick for some place that you don't believe you belong to? So I was like, oh, that's it. Thanks, God. So my idea of today is, first of all, I'm going to talk about how we belong in heaven as saints. And secondly, I will talk about how our homesickness for heaven, as in a saint's homesickness for heaven, is the cure for a sickly world. I honestly believe that. If we're homesick for heaven, if we're desperate for Jesus, if we're giving our all for Jesus, if we're sold out, if we're extreme, if we're on fire, we want to bring heaven to earth. Now, we don't want to wait. We want to bring it now. So yeah, so that's, that's the main theme. So but first of all, I'm going to do another little introduction. It's called I Am. So I was thinking about identity and who I think I am. So I am Jamie. I am married to the lovely Maria. I'm a brother. My brother's here today. Good to see you, Tim. I am a friend. I am a lover. I am uh, a fighter. I am uh, five foot six, five, five foot seven if I do that. <laughs> I am... I am a liar. I am a swindler. I am an adulterer. Because if I look at a lady uh, lustfully, I am an adulterer, it says in the Bible. I am a murderer. 
because I've hated people. I look at, look at Duncan, he's a police officer. I'm not, you know, I'm not actually a murderer. <laughs> Just rugby tackles me. No, I am, I am a murderer because I have hated people. I am a thief. I am someone who has suffered from depression in the last year. I am now free from that, thank God. If people are suffering from depression here, you, are, you can be free today. I am someone who has suffered from suicidal thoughts. I am someone who suffered from suicidal thoughts. Let me say this today. If you're suffering from suicidal thoughts, the devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give back, resurrect, and build up. You can be freed from that today. I am all these things, yet I am the lost sheep. I am the coin that the, um, that the lady turned up her whole house to find. And not only am I the lost sheep, this is some contextual stuff for you guys, I am the 99 remaining sheep. So, so if you know the story in Luke 15, it talks about um, the, the shepherd leaving the 99 to find the lost sheep. But we always focus on the lost sheep. I always think, what about the remaining sheep? Isn't that a bit reckless, like, to leave all those other sheep? Like, don't you care about those sheep? I tell you what, do you know why those 99 sheep are loved? Do you know why they believe they are loved? Because they see the shepherd go out to save the one. And they know he would do the same for them. He lo- that's how much he loves you. That's what I am. I am one of God's holy people. God chose me before the heavens were made, before the rivers were brought into existence, before the stars are put on the sky. God chose me and said, Jamie McKean, five foot six, maybe seven. I love you. I have created you. I know the hairs on your head. I know everything about you. I know your personality. I know what you're going to do in your life. I know your giftings. I know you. And I call you saint. I call you saint. He calls you saints. We've we've had a series on this. (laughs) It's our theme for the year. We are saints of God. I cannot be all that I can be until I believe that. I cannot cannot achieve all that I need to achieve. I cannot speak to the people I want to speak to. I cannot spread the gospel the way I can until I believe in my heart that I am a saint of God. I am God's chosen people. I am loved by him. I am the lost sheep. I am the lost coin. I am a saint. It is one of the defining statements of my life and our lives. The powerful, purpose-driven, authentic Christian life flows... I did <laughs> from this statement. It is the source. It is the crest of the waterfall. <laughs> so it is it's that top bit of the waterfall that if you get that, it, everything comes cascading down. Power drenches your life. Power drenches others. If you get this, if you believe this statement, your life will change. It is the defining I am statement of the Christian life. Uh, I love the Gospel of John. Any lovers of the Gospel of John here? Yeah? John? Where's John? John's a lover of Gospel of John. <laughs> now, j- the Gospel of John is amazing. Um, just if you don't know, the, the Gospels are accounts of Jesus' life. You have to read them. You just have to. It doesn't matter if you're a believer, if you're an atheist, an agnostic. You've got to read them. They're the most important books ever created. Hands down. They are beautifully written. 
They're, you know, they're, they are classics in their own right. They are stunning. They are shocking. And they have the power to change lives. Read the Gospels, please. And read the Gospel of John. It's my favorite Gospel. I believe that the Gospel of John could be called the I Am Gospel. It's because in the Gospel of John, they have many I am statements. In fact, there's seven. I'll read them out for you. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine. And most profoundly, I think, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know why? Jesus knows his identity. He knows what he is. And because of that, he can live according to his purpose. He's a man who knew what he was. He knew he could feed the 5,000 because he's the bread of life. He, he knows he can go into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights because he is the bread of life. He knew he could pastor people. He knew he could discipline people. He knew he could love people because he was the good shepherd. He knew, this is, I love this one. He knew that when he was on that cross, an unnatural darkness falls. Do you remember that in the Gospels? An unnatural darkness falls. Do you know why the unnatural darkness falls? Because he is the light of the world. And when the light of the world dies, light must also die. He knew he could speak truth because he was truth. Simple. (laughs) Jesus is a man who knew his identity. He knew the way because he was the way. Thank you, God. Because he knew his identity, it enabled him to live according to his purpose. Uh, why am I saying all this? I'm like, people are like, this isn't about homesick for heaven. <laughs> Cut the mic. <laughs> why did we let him preach? Um, the reason why I believe this is that we first must believe we are saints before we can believe that we belong in heaven. To be homesick, we must first believe that we belong. So I'm going to take you, hopefully, on a journey to enable you to believe this. It's something that God took me on on Friday. I have to believe that I am a saint. And it's an underlying theme of the church about equipping the saints. We're not equipping us to be better people, although that will happen. We're not, we're not uh, uh, trying to become a better at running church. We're not trying to become better at running courses, although we're brilliant, all that kind of stuff. We're not uh, trying to make us all nice people, although everyone here is really nice. We like you guys. No, the idea of this year is to equip us as saints, not as Christians, as saints, not as nice people, as saints. What is a saint? A saint is a person who belongs to God. A, person, a saint is a person who is one of God's holy people. A saint is someone set aside for a purpose and a calling. That is all us. We have to be comfortable in saying, I am a saint of God. That must be our identity. So I've had this burning prophecy on my heart since Friday evening. As I said, I was stressed. I'd looked into the verses, read my Bible, read a bunch of Christian books, you know, the classic stuff. And I had zilch, nothing, nada. Then God spoke to me and he said this, I wrote it down. Jamie, you don't believe that you're a saint of God. There are some people in your church that don't believe that either. He said, you cannot be homesick for heaven. You cannot preach about being homesick for heaven if you feel that you don't belong in heaven. I've been plodding away doing all the right things, you know, raising hands in worship, doing the little dance, amening at the right times in my very introverted way. Amen, amen, yeah, amen, yeah. But I had not felt secure as a saint. You have to belong, feel like you belong to be homesick. Um, has anyone ever been to a hotel or a B&B? Hands up. A few more. <laughs> um, so I remember when we went to a hotel once, it was actually uh, Liam's, uh, the day before Liam's wedding, and we stayed in the Hilton Hotel Bracknell. 
It's very nice. Yeah, Birchill. Um, and hotels are great. They're fun places to go. They, I, I remember that night. Ben, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, we had, we, had <laughs> we, um, we had a lovely dinner. I had a burger. This is pre-vegan, Jamie. I was making the most of it. Oh, yeah. Oh. I remember those days fondly. Um, I had a lovely burger. Then we went in the swimming pool, and we had good laughs in the swimming pool. And then we went in the sauna. I love a sauna in the steam room. Oh, it's amazing. I love a sauna. I just love a sauna. And then we had a breakfast again, pre-vegan. I had pancakes with bacon. Pancakes with bacon. Oh, tasted the sweetest of things. <laughs> I had a croissant. Oh, amazing. I remember that night fondly, but I don't feel homesick for that room. I don't think, oh, I feel really homesick for room 101 Hilton Virtue. Oh, if only I was, I've been away from it for so long. It was so good. <laughs> Compare that to your home when you've been away for a while, when you've been, when you've been on holiday, when you've been on business, whatever you've been doing. If you're a university, you come back and there's just a feel of belonging. I'm home. Let's put the kettle on. Let's boil the jugs. Any New Zealand people in the, in the house tonight? There, um, there are people, New Zealand people say boil the jug rather than put the kettle on, which I think is amazing. We should introduce that. Put your feet up. I'm at home. I feel comfortable. You know, you, know, you don't go around somebody's house and just like immediately feel comfortable. You're always like, oh, should I take my shoes off? You know, you always do that one, should I take my shoes off? You know, how do you like it here? You when it gets to your house, you're like, shoes on, feet up, no one cares. It's my house. I belong here. <laughs> so what is home? Home is a place where you have roots. Home is a place of security. Home is a place of belonging. And it's a place of belief. You know that is your home. I don't feel that room 101 is my home. In fact, you never really remember it. That's not actually the number, by the way. I, just, I did not remember that. You never remember your hotel room number? Does anyone remember that? No, yes. Because it's not your home. Do you remember your house number? Yeah. Hopefully, yes. I know I live at 6 Ambarrow Crescent. That's my home. Actually, if you look in um, the So I'm going to read the, the verse from the series now. So if you wouldn't mind grabbing that on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1 to 10. That's Romans. I'll read this for you. For we know that if the tent is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made of hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this, he in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we'd, ra and we'd rather be at home. Sorry, I lost my place. And we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we're at home or away, we make our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So the, the, the words used by Paul here, when he talks about the tent, it's actually just, it's just literally just a tent. So it's something temporary. When he talks about this earthly home, it's a heavenly dwelling, and it means a place of permanence grounded in the earth and a place with foundations and roots. Home is where you belong. It's a place of foundation and roots. 
So God sent me on this journey, and he used history. So if any history lovers in the house, I know Maria's not, but enjoy. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little history story. <laughs> 1500, 1500s, okay? For about 500 years ago, medieval period, the glory of the Roman Empire has faded, you know, all the togas and the nice, nice buildings. That's all, that's all gone. Europe is now backward and made up of squabbling kingdom, kingdoms. Uh, there's a new power in town. His, na- his name is the Roman Catholic Church, and who's in charge? The Pope. Uh, the Pope is not like the Pope we have today. He's quite like quite kind and quite nice and quite. He seems kind of to stay out of most things. He's a bit, a bit political, but not that political. The Pope back then was kind of like the big deal, the big chief, and he was very political. He would have armies. He would go to war. He would interfere in other kingdoms, and he he thought that he had power over eternity. So he had like the keys to heaven and hell, and because of that, everyone was like in awe of him. And he was the, he believed he was the source of grace. Okay, so there's the Pope, we're in the medieval period, and we are stinky, illiterate peasants. S- speak, to the pers- speak to the person next to you and say, you are a stinky, illiterate peasant. There, there is no links. There is no Chanel number five. There's not even a Chanel number one. <laughs> There's no power shower. We're a bit stinky. Now, we're going to meet our first character in the story. It'll come up on the, st- on the screen. His name is Johann Tetzel. You'll see a nice... Oh, he's at, there's not a picture of him. That's, that's not him. Oh, that'd be weird. <laughs> this is a salesperson. Now, Tetzel was a traveling salesman working for the Pope. What did he sell? Double glazing, insurance? No, no, it wasn't any of that. What he sold was hope, or should I say, false hope. Maybe a bit like a double glazing salesman, then. I don't know. (laughs) Basically, the Pope had a problem. He needed a nice, big, shiny palace, and he'd run out of money. (laughs) So he said to this guy, well, a bunch of people, but Tetzel was one of them. He said, I need some money. What you need to go and do is sell what we call an indulgence. Now, an indulgence sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? It sounds like uh, indulgent chocolates. It sounds pretty good. What an indulgence is, is a way of entering heaven faster, because they believe in purgatory, not something that we believe in, a way of entering heaven faster by paying money. So they literally would pay money and say, like, oh, take off 100 years of purgatory, 1,000 years of purgatory. I don't know how much it costs. Um, and people back then, we're terrified of death. We're stinky, illiterate peasants. We, we've just seen our best friend die. We've just seen the plague take off somebody else. We, you know, life expectancy is short. We're terrified. We can't read. We don't know what's in the Bible. We just trust what they say. We can't. We don't know what to do. So people would spend all of their money on this piece of paper. They'd have, uh, Tetzel would open the door, knock on the door, and we would open it and go, and he would be like, yeah, I, um, if you want to get to heaven, you have to pay me a bunch of money. You're, and, it, and then on top of that, he'd be like, you know your parents and your brothers and your sisters that have already died? Yeah, if you give some money, they'll be let out faster as well. You're thinking, oh, this is such a good deal. Just for like 20 quid or something. I've got some money in my pocket. How much have I got? Just for like 20 pounds, I can take like 100 years off my brother's purgatory time. Amazing, this is cool. And people spent all of their money on these pieces of paper. And he went around and he raised, has anyone been to Rome? Hands up if you've been to Rome. Have you seen St. Peter's Basilica? Yeah, they paid for that with indulgences. That whole building, amazing building, but paid for by us stinky literate peasants. <laughs> so it's just a, 
Yeah. <laughs> now let's meet our second character of the story. His name is Martin Luder. Hey, there he is. Hey, Martin Luder. Now, he was a son of a miner. He had studied law very, very bright. He had a bright future ahead of him, and he, he left law to go to the monastery because he was terrified of dying. He was terrified of God. What he do? He saw Christ as a cruel judge rather than a figure of love. Hands up if you've seen, if you, if you thought that before. He was the best monk, the most diligent monk. He would wake up every few hours to pray. I'm talking like every two to three hours. He would fast so much he put his life at risk. He was so skinny. He took vows of silence. He was constantly saying his Hail Marys and our, our fathers never missed a day. And he, would, um, he was so diligent that his, he would have six-hour-long confessions. And the guy, so he would come into his booth and be like, Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And, like, and, the, and, the, and the guy, the, the, the priest on the other side, be like, "Oh, this guy again." Because, 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 literally, he would go for six hours, and he would be like, "Yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm a fornicator. I think evil things. I think evil thoughts. I don't say my Hail Marys enough. I don't say my Our Fathers enough. I don't fast enough." And he was never satisfied, ever satisfied. And. Uh, <laughs> And then even the days that he thought he had done pretty well, he was like, yeah, I haven't sinned today. Then he'd be like, oh, no. Then I got really proud that I hadn't sinned today. And he'd go back to the confession box. And the guy's like, oh, forgive me, Father, before I've sinned. He's like, for goodness sake, stop confessing to me. I've got stuff to do. So that's Martin Luther. Have you seen some similarities between the two? Tetzel says to people, you can buy your way into heaven. Just give me 20 pounds. Give me 100 pounds. I can take some time off for you. Luda is trying to earn his way to heaven through his deeds, through his actions. If I just fast enough, if I just pray enough, if I just be this, if I just do that, then I can get into heaven. Then I can be a saint. Let's relate this to us. If I just do this, if I just give this amount of money to that person, if I just um, get this job, if I just woo this girl or boy, if I just give this amount of money, then God will love me. Then I will deserve heaven. So Luda keeps trying and trying. He keeps confessing and confessing, and he keeps failing. And he hears about this guy called Tetzel, and he's like, how can you purchase this stuff that I'm trying so hard to earn? So what he does is does the most phenomenal 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 thing that he could ever do and the most dangerous thing he could do he opened his bible now that sounds like normal to us back then people didn't read their bibles they what they did was they read they, they read what other people had said about the bible <laughs> rather than reading the bible so luther just re- opens up his bible and he looks for answers and he's alone in his cell one night and he's reading paul's letters to the romans and i'll read it for you it should come up behind the screens it's romans 1 There we go, Romans. And he read this, Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for, the, it is, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. For faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And the light bulb goes. He goes, I'm fed up of trying, God. I'm fed up of fasting. I'm fed up of um, beating myself up about it. I am a saint through grace. Through Christ's righteousness, I am 
a saint. It's not because of what I do or who I am or what status or position I have. I'm a saint because what happens is when I become a believer in Jesus Christ, I put on the clothes of righteousness. I become like Christ. When God looks at me now, he does not see Jamie, 5'6", maybe 5'7". He sees Christ. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he took my shame, he buried it, and he rose again. Thank you, God. And this idea catches fire. A conflagration. Luda changes his name to Martin Luther. Luther is freedom in Greek. He becomes free. He preaches that we get to heaven not for what we have done, but for what Christ has done for us. And he leaves the monastery, and he challenges the Pope, and it all kicks off. And hope rises, and the world is never the same again. Let me, let me tell you my testimony. Uh, Liam's already uh, t- spoke about it a little bit. Um, I grew up feeling like I was never good enough, never worthy enough, never clever enough, never good-looking enough, never powerful enough. I was addicted to evil, drug addict, addicted to women, alcohol, vain, hollow. I was age 21 feeling solo, solo, like I had nothing to live for, nothing at all. Then what happens? I meet two saints at a New Year's Eve party. Oh, I don't think that, did you remember that I was at that party? Okay, that's good. Often I don't remember. I met two saints of God at a party. I was just invited to it by a friend, didn't really know anyone, and I saw something in them. I saw holiness in them. I saw they were set apart. I saw that they were different. I saw, or smelt, an aroma. Do you know what I mean? It talks about the aroma of Christ in the Bible. What it means is that when they walk into the room, the atmosphere changes. You can tell that's a saint. And I met them. And it changed my life. And I needed to be reminded, me of, reminded of it this week. God told me that I am a saint because I say that you are. Not for what you do, not for how much you earn, not for your position, not for my deeds. I am a saint. You are a saint. We are saints because God says I am. And what I wanted to do this morning, um, before I get onto the actual, the main bit, <laughs> is I'd like us all to stand if we can. I want us to stand up and declare that we are saints in this building. Because, not because of what we have done, because for what Christ has done for us. So repeat after me. I am a saint. I am a saint. I am a saint because Jesus loves me. I am a saint because Jesus died for me. I am a saint because Jesus rose again. Amen. We can take your seats. Now we can be homesick. Now we can be homesick because now we know where we belong. Because we are God's chosen people. And God's chosen people belong with God. Where is, what is heaven? God's dwelling place. Where he resides. Nice long intro. So let me read that verse again, 2 Corinthians 1.10. The definition have taken that out, but 
Let me read 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 10 again. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made of hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan. This word means like the pangs of childbirth. I looked it up. We like the pa- that's I, I imagine that's quite painful. I've never had that to be. But we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. We want to be where Christ is. If indeed by putting on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan for you being burdened, not that we'd be unclothed, but that we'd be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. May we always be of good courage. We know that whilst we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, because God resides in heaven. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make our aim to please him. I'm going to focus on this verse in a minute. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. We, lo- we are saints, we belong in heaven, but we're not there yet. <laughs> But what we do is that we must live our life as saints because what pleases God is us living out our identity as saints. What pleases God is the mission that we do. As saints, we long to be in heaven because that is the dwelling place of God. We groan for heaven, not because of all the cool stuff there, like the heart playing, the bottomless Nandos, uh, the Lamborghinis and Ferraris with no speed cameras. Not because of that. Ne- <laughs> this is a bit of conjecture and poetic license. I don't think all this stuff is there. Um, we don't want to go to heaven because of all the cool stuff that we could find there. We go because of who dwells there. It's because where our Jesus lives, our sweet Jesus, God who became man, who walked with us, laughed amongst us, cried with us, ate and drank amongst us, created friendships amongst us, who died for us. That is where our Jesus is. This is where the one who made us saints abides, the one who loves us all so much. And we long, we groan like the pangs of childbirth to be there with him. But we're not there yet. (laughs) But we will be one day. But whilst we are on this earth, it is our job as saints to bring heaven to earth. See, if you realize that you belong to heaven, you want others to belong there as well. Our homesickness for heaven is the cure for a sickly earth. Homesick saints are the cure for a sickly earth. Homesick saints are the cure for a sickly earth. All the troubles and ills and things going on in your neighborhood, do you know what they need? They don't need a nice person. They don't need another good person, although part of being a saint has been a good person. They need a saint. They don't need another... Empty kind of, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. They need a saint, someone with power and authority who knows where they are from and knows that they want you to belong there as well. So, whether we are home or away, we make our aim to please him. Someone who believes they're a saint are those who desire to bring the kingdom of God to earth. People securing their identity and their authority. And you know what pleases God? 
people who live as saints. Okay, so what is a saint? A saint is not just a, a good person, although that is part of it. You all seem like good people to me. A saint is someone of power and authority. Of power and authority. Paul knows this. If you look at the example of Paul, he's a man of authority. He's not like meek and mild, is he, if you read about him. He's a man full of love, but also a man full of power. Uh, Liam spoke about this a few weeks ago. He's a man who gets bitten by a snake and just kind of shakes it off. Like, yeah, whatever, snake, go away. He's a guy who speaks up to whole churches and they listen to him, to whole nations. He's a guy with who speaks of such authority in ancient Greece that people believe that he's Hermes, like not the delivery company, but like the, the, the Greek messenger god. <laughs> they think like, you're speaking with such eloquence and authority. You must be a god. He goes, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a saint. The power comes from his identity as a saint. Knowing that God's grace has saved him, that he belongs in heaven, he desires to bring heaven to earth. Once you desire to be of Jesus, our mindset is uprooted. Let's see what Paul writes to the church in um, Philippi when he's in prison in Rome. So let's go to um, Philippians 1, verse 21 to 25. Paul is in prison at the moment, uh, in Rome. He's expecting death any day now. And he writes to the church in Philippi. He says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That is probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Just so powerful. So powerful. To remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He realizes I belong in heaven. If I die, it's to my benefit. But it is necessary as a saint that I bring heaven to earth where I am. Paul is homesick for heaven. He knows he belongs there. He knows it's his true home, but he also knows he's a saint. He knows that being homesick for heaven is the cure for a sickly world. Okay, let's unpack to live as Christ and to die as gain a little bit. What does it mean to live as Christ and to die as gain? Do you know that Christ is not Jesus' last name? Jesus' last name is, Jesus' actual name is Yeshua Bar Yusuf, which means Jesus, son of Joseph. Because back then, they would, that's how they didn't have like surnames, they say, I'm the son of. Christ is a title. Christ means anointed king. Anointed king, Messiah, someone who has power and authority. So when he says to live as Christ, he's not saying, let's live as Jesus the babe, leave you know, live as Jesus in the manger, he's saying, live as Christ lives. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to Christ belongs to us. All the power and authority that's been given to Christ belongs to us. Now, this doesn't mean that we're all going to be people of authority and power. It doesn't mean that we're going to meet like prime ministers and kings and queens, that kind of stuff. But it means that whatever we do as saints has power 
and authority because it has, not because we do it, but because it has the power and authority of Jesus Christ behind it. So we need to start stepping out. Not as ourselves, as saints. As saints with the full power and authority of Jesus behind us. And we have labor to do because it is necessary. There are necessary things in all our lives that we need to do. Not our own strength, but be with Jesus. So let's just have a quick recap and then I'll do some application. We can't be homesick until we know that heaven is our home. We have to all be secure in identity as saints this morning and for the rest of our lives. Know that we belong there with Jesus. Know that we belong there not because of what we have done, because of what Jesus has done for us. And when we are homesick for heaven, when our saints are homesick for heaven, it is the cure for a sickly world around us. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a few ideas of how to apply this in our lives. So if you wouldn't mind putting, yep, there we go, application. Application. Bring heaven where you are. Bring heaven where you are. This is your neighborhood. This is your neighbor. This is your workplace. This is your local shops. Turn up, not, but don't turn up as you. Don't turn up as Ben Weeks. Don't turn up as uh, Caroline. Don't turn up as Chris. Turn up as Saint Chris. Turn up as Saint Ben. Turn up as Saint Caroline. Not because we're amazing, awesome people that should be worshipped, but because the power and authority of Christ is in you. The power and authority of Christ is with you. So we don't just go like, you know, you know we always do this thing like, yeah, up, up. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. Yeah, not now, but I'll do it later when no one's watching. I'll pray for you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nice and we're kind, and that's all amazing stuff. Don't get me wrong. I think that's, um, I, I, I think kindness is the is the most undervalued quality in this world. But what we need to do is start living with a bit more authority and power behind us, because when we're doing that, we're going. I don't really. When we come up to people saying like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, we're, what we're really saying is that I don't actually believe I'm a saint. I'm just saying I just think it might happen. It might, you know, I, I might have some power. No, Jesus Christ lives in you. You have the authority and power of Jesus Christ. So when we're going to pray for people, we're not going as like timidly. We're going with power and strength saying, I'm going to pray for you that your leg will be healed. I'm going to pray financial blessing into your life. I'm going to pray that your, your daughter or your son comes to know Jesus. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to pray timidly. I'm going to pray with power and authority. So if we go to our, lo our local place, we should do that. I know it's tough. Do you know what? The local stuff is the hardest stuff. The, the mission trips are actually easier in some way because, you know, if you're in Greece, you're never going to see that person again. <laughs> if you're like, yeah, oh, you go, yeah, yeah, can I pray for you? And you pray for them, nothing happens. Like, oh, no. But, like, if you, but, but then you're not going to see them for a while, like, you know, because they're, they're in Greece. Like, <laughs> you're not going to bump into them down the street. If you do that for your neighbor, you're like, oh, I've got to see this guy every day. But like, do it. That's the hardest stuff. But just do it and start stepping out. So be, bring heaven where you are. Second, bring heaven where you go. Um, there's two ways we can do this in this church. Well, there's many ways. But we are doing local mission trips to prisons and hospitals. And we're also doing um, European trips as well. So we've been to, we've been to really Greece. Greece and Portugal. We're going to go to Greece again. Where else are we going? Albania, Estonia. We can... Everyone sign up for those. There are people in here right now that are discounting yourself. Do you know why? That's because you, it is necessary for you to go. 
I'm speaking that over. If you've just discounted yourself, it is necessary for you to go because someone's trying to stop you going. It is necessary that you go. So sign up to uh, the European trips and sign up to the local trips because prisons don't need nice people. I mean, they do need nice people, don't wrong. But they need saints. There are people in prison, incarcerated, who are in chains, not, not literally, but they are, they've lost their freedom, who need to be released. They need freedom, and only the freedom that Jesus Christ can give. That doesn't mean like jailbreaks, just, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Duncan's going to hate me for this. <laughs> um, there are people in hospital that don't need just a nice comforting arm. Well, that's always helpful. They need to be healed. Me coming up to them and just being all like, yeah, hey, how are you doing? Spend a bit of time with them. They will, th- that'd be nice for them you know, to have that. But anyone could do that. Any, anyone can do that. I go as a saint to that hospital. Not with arrogance. Just saying I come humbly as a saint of God and I have the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And if I pray for this leg or arm, I believe it will be healed. I believe I will see salvation. So go to the prisons, go to the hostels, um, go speak to Emily and, and Liam and end of this service. Go online to, uh, on our website and sign up for them. You need to be there. The saints need to be there. Saints need to be in prisons. They do. <laughs> Doesn't mean like commit a load of crimes. <laughs> saints need to be in hospitals and saints need to be in Europe. That's part of the mission of this trip. We're, we're flowing out to Europe. Europe needs Jesus. Europe needs a body of saints. It doesn't need another political structure. It doesn't need a bunch of nice people going on the airplane. It needs saints. Saints with power and authority. Um, I'll give you a story about a boy that I met in Latvia on a European mission trip. This was kind of before Flow had really started. We just went, on, went to Awaken in Europe. It's an amazing conference. I met this guy in Latvia. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but it, was like, it wasn't like an easy name. It wasn't like, like John. It was, it was like a Latvian name. He was, um, I met this young guy, and we had all been sent out um, from Awakening Europe just to preach the gospel and stuff like that and to, to heal the sick. And we were all buzzing. We were all hyped up to the max. You know, great worship sh- uh, set, you know, great preach. I'm like, yeah, we can do this. Let's do this. And I met this young boy, and he had such a warped view of Jesus. I went up to him and said, can I pray for you? I believe Jesus wants me to pray for you. And I went, and if I'm honest, I, went, I did it more of because I've been told to rather than I wanted to. I did it more of the, the hype than because I loved him. That was my first mistake. He said, your Jesus hates me. Your Jesus hates me. And he was hostile. He, you know, he stood up and he was hostile. He goes, your Jesus hates me. He's done nothing for me. He hates me. He was, you know, sleeping rough. He'd obviously had quite a rough life. Offered to pray for him. Nothing. So hostile. He goes, if you want to do anything for me, give me, give me money. Like, like, not like, like, please give me money. It's like, give me money. Like, Jesus hates me. So I left. <laughs> I didn't have any money. Because I didn't have any money on me. I, I left and I was so discouraged because we'd had all this hype. And I was like, yeah, we're going to change the world. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. And like, the first kind of guy that I'd met and prayed for was like, Jesus hates me. I was really discouraged. Um, so I'm on the way. I'm, I'm walking away from him. And I just, God just said to me, he has a warped view of me. That is not who I am. You need to show this guy who I am. I had to. So what? A bit of context. I just finished. Like I was just finishing up university. Didn't have any money really. Barely paid for the trip. Um, uh, didn't have a job to go to. You know, worried about finances. God just said, "Empty your bank account." 
really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I did, yeah, I did ask Rhea. <laughs> hey, I took, I took authority over that situation, so. He said, empty your bank account. Lavish my love upon this boy. Because he hasn't been, he, has, he doesn't know my love. Oh, I, just, I just broke my heart. And he just, he just said, lavish this guy. Give him unbelievable generosity. So what I, I'm not saying it's just to big myself up. Um, and so I emptied my bank account. I said, I went back to him. I said, come with me. Do a bit of a forward. He's like, come on, come with me. Come to the cash machine. Come with me. Went to the cash machine. And I took out all the, all, the, all the money we had in our account. <laughs> it's horrified this story. And I said to him, take this. And he's like, he looks at me like, what? You're giving me all this? Like, he'd probably never seen that much money before in his life. He's like, what is all this? Why? And he's like, why? And I was like, I am not doing this for you so that you become a believer. I'm not doing this for you so that I am glorified. I'm not doing this for you so you come to the event later. I'm doing this for you because Jesus loves you. I'm doing this because Jesus cares for you and Jesus died for you. And he softened. His countenance just changed. He just, he just changed. And this, this kind of hostile, intimidating man became like a, a boy, a broken boy. And I knew that I had to be a saint in that situation because the cure for our sickly world is our homesickness for heaven. I, d- I didn't lead him to the Lord or anything like that. I just said to him, God loves you. Um, Jesus loves you and he died for you. And then what he did, he hugged me. So we've gone from like, Jesus hates me, to being able to pray for him and then hugging him. I'm just like, thank you, God, for using me. And then, just as a side point, after that happened, um, I got back from Latvia and we got a check through the post for exactly that amount and more. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus loves him. And I'll pray for him regularly. Jesus needs saints on mission trips. Don't discount yourself. Go and sign up for one today. Local. I think everyone could do local. I'm not even going to beat around the bush. I think everyone can do local. And then also don't discount yourself for a European one. doesn't matter how old you are, how gifted you think you are. Jesus needs saints. Thirdly and finally, be a cure in your church. Bring heaven to church. Pray like a saint in church. Don't, that's not like, you know, we're actually in quite, in a quite safe space here. This should be the place where we can pray. Pray with authority and power and like we mean it. Worship like saints. Don't worship like we're not that bothered about things. We worship knowing that we've got the power and authority of Jesus Christ behind us. Honor leaders like a saint. In the kingdom of heaven, leaders are honored. You know, there's, that, there's the bit in the Bible in Revelation where all the elders just... Uh, Jesus comes in and they just cast their crowns before the throne because they aren't they just know you're you're above me you're Jesus I may have a crown on my head but you are the king of kings honor our leaders and everyone that that you meet every single member of your congregation honor them like a saint would like we would in heaven and also serve like a saint if you haven't signed up for a serving team that's fine but if you want to get involved please talk to one of the Go to the info point at the end of the end of the service and serve like a saint. Don't serve half-heartedly. Serve with power and authority. In Jesus' name. Okay, I'm going to conclude now and pray. So in conclusion, to be homesick for heaven, we must first believe that we belong there. 
We belong there only because of Jesus. Our homesickness for heaven is the cure for our town and for Europe. Because spirit-filled saints with authority and power have the capacity to change this earth. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the authority of Jesus Christ, we can change stains upon Thames. We can change Egham. We can change Royal Holloway. We can change Latvia, Lithuania, uh, Estonia. We can change France and Spain. We can change Europe. We can't change it. As saints, we can change it. Jamie McKean cannot change it. Jamie McKean, saint of God, can change something. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, let me believe I'm a saint this morning. Let, let all of us believe that we are saints of God. We are chosen and holy people, not because of what we have done, but for what God has done for us. Thank you that I now have power and authority of Jesus Christ behind me. Thank you that I, can, that I will one day dwell with you forever in heaven. And I long for it. I long to be with you in heaven. But whilst I'm on earth, we pray that we will bring heaven to earth where we are. In our neighborhoods, in the prisons and the hospitals, and in Europe, and in our church, we pray, bring heaven to earth through us, God. Because we are homesick for you. God, just give us an opportunity to be a cure for this sickly earth. And I thank you, Jesus Christ, who has made all of this possible. I am called a saint because of you and your sacrifice on the cross. And we love you, Jesus. And the people said, amen. Great. Wow, thanks, Jen. Some stuff.